Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast, a collection of conversations with cool people who do cool things. Brought to you by Papercraft Miracles. Each week, we'll bring you inspiring stories of persistence, passion, and purpose. With your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reach the Stars podcast. I am your host, Jonna Willoughby-Lore. And today, my guest is Kevin Dooley. He is a six-time founder that has developed his love for entrepreneurship in college by launching a hot dog cart business, which I'm sure he's going to tell us all about. Um, He has all sorts of experience running lots of different companies. I'm going to let him tell you more about himself because people introduce themselves better than anyone else can. So welcome to the show, Kevin. Tell everyone who you are and where you came from. (laughs) Thank you so much, Jana. Appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. So I am a six-time founder, as John mentioned, and kind of got my career going with a hot dog cart in college. So uh, I had uh, me and another, actually a frat brother, me and a frat brother went to go pay our landlord our rent. And we noticed on the side of his garage was this hot dog cart that uh, had weeds growing around it and in it and out of it and all that. And I kind of got the brilliant idea. Why don't we get that hot dog cart and get it functioning, clean it up, and go sell some hot dogs outside the bars in Brockport, New York, and uh, help help you know, use that to help pay our rent. So we were fortunate that our landlord was this kind of creative guy that saw some, you know, that it was a cool opportunity to get rid of this thing that was on the side of his garage and give some kids, some college kids a chance. So that's exactly what we did. We opened a hot dog cart called Steam and Weenies. Uh, outside the bars, we we didn't do all the normal things that you're supposed to do with, in food service, like get permits and, and have the town clear us and all that. So we got shut down pretty quick after a few weekends, but then got all our stuff together and uh, used that hot dog cart to pay rent the, the rest of that school year. So that's how I kind of got the blood in me to be an entrepreneur. Um, I went and uh, worked in corporate America, but worked more of an intrapreneur type type role where I had full ability, profit and loss, product development decisions, all that kind of stuff. And it just it just kind of stuck with me. And so fast forward, you know, four businesses later, and, and now I coach other founders on how to launch and grow their businesses. Cool. When you were running this hot dog cart and you were like, yeah, we're just going to do this and then obviously get shut down right away. What kind of resources, like where did you go to find out what you didn't know, you know, what you needed to do to get your ducks in a row? Yeah, yeah. Well, I didn't go hire a business coach like I am today. (laughs) That's one thing I did not do. But yeah, you know, small towns like that with, you know, college towns like Brockport, New York is, they get to you pretty quickly if you're doing something wrong. So (laughs) they... uh, they kind of guided us through the process. Like, yeah, you should show up at the town offices and we'll take you through the process. But um, we were we were more interested in, in counting the money that we thought we were going to make and that doing some of the finer details that you, you need to do, you know, in a business. So, but it's interesting because most of the founders that I coach today, they're tech founders and they skip all that stuff too, right? Like all the business side stuff, like what documents should I have? And, you know, what is my value proposition and what's my business model canvas and some of this early stuff that you should do to start any size business, any kind of business, you know, they typically skip too. And so that's what we did, but yeah, they, they showed us the way pretty quickly. Well, that's good. I've noticed that in, in general, most people that start a business didn't go to school for business. They just are super excited about whatever they love and they're like, yeah, let's just do this. And then, you know, every single day they realize stuff that they don't, <laughs> they don't know, or they're not doing properly, whatever. And 
I'm kind of like the hundred yeah, percent. I'm like the opposite of that. Cause I actually, when I was in, in college, I met with my advisor after my freshman year, I had taken all these fun, what I thought were fun and perfect classes for me. And I said, these are all the classes that I took. What major am I working toward? And he says, those are all electives. So nothing. And I was like, well, yeah. shit, like, what am I supposed to do here? I am here on scholarship. I can't have wasted, you know, an entire year. I can't, I can't do five years. What, how can I make this count? And I said, what should I do? And he said, what do you want to do? Which is like the best question. He could have asked. He could have been yeah. like, oh, take communications because you don't know what you want to do. He's like, well, so what do you want to do? And I was like, well, I want to be an artist and I don't want to be broke. How do I do that? And he's like, you should do that as your major. So I ended up making up my own major and doing entrepreneurial business and creative art integrated together as one course of study. So by the time I graduated from school, I had taken all the business classes. I had a business plan. I had already gotten all my, I knew all the paperwork I needed to fill out. I had it in a binder, all like ready to go. And I was 22 years old and had the whole Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. I'm going to tell that story. I'm going to share that story with some of my young founders to see, you know, what's possible, you know? (laughs) but but interesting now right like the the opportunity that college students have right like i'm part of the faculty team over at rit and it is just amazing to me that you know non-business majors right typically engineers some kind of engineer can come up with a business idea and then take classes to learn how to mold that idea into a business or a product or a company or whatever Mm -hmm. and they can actually you know advance that idea over three or four semesters and then graduate with a degree and a business. I mean, to me, that is such a wild opportunity that, uh, you know, kids have today when they go to college. I mean, it's amazing. I didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. I mean, it was a long time ago when I did it too, but the school I went to was just, you know, cool, little weird. Like if liberal That's arts awesome. is like here on the left, they were like way over here on the left. <laughs> Teachers <laughs> were like teaching class with no shoes on and stuff. It was like a, a different kind of place there. Nice. Out like of Warren that. Wilson. So if there's any Wilsonites listening, Warren Wilson College in Ash outside Asheville, North Carolina. It was like okay. this, wow. this little hippie commune in the middle of the Bible Belt. It was like a very <laughs> magical place. That must have been an incredible vibe. <laughs> it really was. It really was. As soon as I got there, I was like, I went there to originally do creative writing because I was had been a poet my whole entire life. And I got set foot on the campus and there was just this creative vibe and then I looked at the course catalog and saw that they had all these classes you could do and paper making and book binding and I took a class called Gandhi search for truth it was all about like figuring out your own truth in your own life you know as a college student and I took a class about myth and it was like searching for meaning and people would like sit around in a circle and share stories of like weird shit that had happened to them in their lives and it was the coolest thing. I mean, you know, if if only all college students could have an experience like that, then uh, I think our world would be a lot, a lot better anyway. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Even having that background and, you know, having a biz- whole full business plan with financial projections and all this stuff at 22 years old, I graduated wow. from school, came back here to Buffalo. Nothing was happening in Buffalo then. <laughs> Young, super idealistic girl trying to start a business making art right at the start of social media. So this is like 2004. People are like, what do you mean you want to make journals? No one's going to write in a journal ever again. Everyone's going to be on live journal. Like that, that was the time. Right. And I still had tons of people tell me I was insane. And I 
it took a really long, really long time for it to take off. And every, even doing it for 20 years, every single day, there's like certain things that pop up. I'm like, damn, I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that. You know, <laughs> like, um, especially now that I have staff too, cause like, you know, there's, there's always things about having employees that you're, you don't know until you get caught not doing it or whatever. Or so you get an email from the HR people and they're like, you know, you're supposed to have this and like, damn it. I got to print another poster or whatever. Um, there's always that kind of stuff that comes up. So yeah. Yeah. But I mean, let's face it, like a lot of business is trial and error, right? Figuring it out on your own and making assumptions to see if you can validate those. And really that's, you know, part of the FUD or the fear factor of, you know, entrepreneurs, like they think they need to know everything when they get started and you don't, nobody does, right? Like you can go hire somebody that's been there, done that, got the t-shirt that has experience and insight, like what I do, or you can figure it out your own over time, right? Usually it's not a straight line when you figure it out on on your own, right? You're zigzagging all over the place, mm-hmm. burning time, money, and effort. But, you know, you develop scar tissue and you develop experiences and you fail fast and all those kind of things. But, you know, a lot of the times we don't know what we don't know because it's the future, right? Um, there's a lot of basic business, you know, I guess framework that I that I teach people. And then it's kind of up to them, right? Like, I can't predict what tomorrow is going to be like for you as a business owner or a founder, you know? So you're going to have to have, you know, the mindset to be okay with that, right? Like a lot of what we do is mindset skill set, right? Like you could have the best skills that you need to launch whatever business you're trying to launch. But if your mindset's not there, right? Like if, if you're stuck and you don't have clarity, if you don't know what your vision is, if you don't know what your desired outcomes are, then like I can't even help those people, right? Because I got to know where you want to go to help you develop a roadmap to get there. Exactly. And then, you know, there's there's definitely something to be said about super curious entrepreneurs who recognize right off the bat, there's all sorts of stuff that I don't know, rather than just sit on Google all day, like, oh, there's a free course take, you know, from here, or I'm going to hire this coach, or I'm going to work on this, or I'm going to get involved with this platform and, and develop the skills and learn those things you don't know and bounce ideas off of other people. And I worked with one coach and she told me the most valuable thing. Cause I was like, I had had one assistant at the time and she pretty much was like another me. I mean, just another set of hands because we make everything by hand. And I was like, I can't do all of that by hand and also grow this company by myself. I didn't actually like hire her for a specific role aside from like, you know, other, uh, other person in the room. When I was working with this coach, one of the things that she told me was sticks with me all the time when I think about who I want to add to my team and what I want to do. She's like, you make this grid in one corner, you put all the stuff that you're really good at. And then the other corner, you put all the stuff you really love doing. And the other corner, you put stuff that you can do, but you don't enjoy. And the other corner, you put all the stuff that you suck at doing. Hire out for all the stuff Mm -hmm. you suck at doing first, because, you know, that's your best money well spent because you could try to be that person that's trying to figure out how to do bookkeeping if you don't already know how to do that. But for, you know, 150 bucks a month, you could hire your own bookkeeper to do that for you. And that's their skill set. And they're great at that. And it frees up however many hours it was taking you trying to figure out how to do it wrong um, for you to do the stuff that you're really, really good at doing. Yeah, definitely. I've used that grid before. And then think about it today, right? In this freelancer model, you know, for businesses of all sizes, even businesses of one, right? There's always going to be some things you don't, you can't do and don't want to do, right? 
And yeah. now with the freelancer model, you just go find a person to fill that gap for as long as you need them, right? Like you don't have to hire them forever. You just hire them to get through, you know, a certain period or a certain activity or event or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of people out there that want that kind of work, right? Like they're freelancers. They love the flexibility, you know, of time that they have throughout the day and choosing which projects to work on. So that's how I kind of pivoted and got into what I do now. I mean, I started on the Upwork platform and I'm, you know, still running a company when I started dabbling on Upwork, just trying to do side projects. And, and somebody asked me to, to, to create a value proposition for them. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I haven't created one of these. And I was 12 years into the business I was running. I'm like, I haven't done one of these in so long. And it takes me back, you know, and to be able to teach and coach somebody that was not, you know, didn't have a marketing background on what a value prop proposition is and why you need it. That was so cool and so inspiring to me that I just went, I, you know, I had planned to leave this business and went all in on freelancing. And that's what I do now. And I love it because the opportunity to manage your portfolio of work, right? Like we've gotten to the point where it's not work-life balance anymore. It's work-life integration, right? Like everything's mixed together. Mm -hmm. And now I've got the opportunity to, you know, I don't, it, you know, I'm in preferment, not retirement, right? Like retirement, you know, I'm not doing any project preferment. I'm doing the projects I prefer to do. And I can like balance my portfolio and do some tactical things and some strategy things and some coaching things and some mentoring things and just put it all together. And, you know, it's just a totally cool, creative day that I have. Yeah, I, I did. It was a couple of weeks ago. Um, the University of Buffalo has this kind of like entrepreneur think tank innovation space. I haven't had enough coffee to remember exactly. Incubator. Incubator. It's that's one the of word. those. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they have this incubator called the, the Blackstone. And yes. um, they asked me to come and help be a judge slash mentor for like a STEM art business competition kind of thing. So the, these college students cool. had one day to get into groups, come up with an idea for a business, make a pitch and then pitch it. And it had to do something that Love was it. artistic or creative. So they asked me to come and be like a mentor and a judge. And man, I never knew that I was in my element so good until I was in that room and like running back and oh, forth yeah. between these different groups and saying, tell me about your idea and helping them come up with like ways to refine it real quick and how to get their, you know, their value prop, even like a basic thing. And it just, it really yes. brought me back yes. to one of the first jobs I ever had was going door to door, raising money for the environment. Just like the, one of the hardest jobs you could ever have as far as like emotional yes. investment and like physicality. I mean, you're walking like 15, 20 miles a day in like all different kinds of weather. And I worked it in the summer. So it was like, you know, 85, 90 degrees, you're outside, you don't have food, you don't have a bathroom, nothing. You're just like hustling out there all day. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, you're doing it because it's a good cause, but you're also getting paid. So if you are not, if, if you're not on your game, then you're not getting paid because you get commission. So yep. I remember one of the things that they taught us was that when you knock on somebody's door, you get 15 seconds before they're going to slam the door in your face, right? So you need to sell them in 15 Maybe. seconds. And you know, what better preparation for being an entrepreneur and getting your elevator pitch game together than to get really, really good with in 15 seconds. I am, we are, we do, we want. 
I am, we are, we do, we want over and over again. And mm -hmm. that's the one thing that I was doing while I was in this kind of element of running around this room and working with all these different groups. And I said, you got to figure out right off the bat, if you're going to be pitching to this room full of people in the first 15 seconds of this pitch, you need to grab everyone's attention because you get two minutes. So you need to have, make sure you have it in your yep. pitch. I am, we are, we do, we want. Those are the main things you need in this pitch because you got to tell them all about yourself you know, and why you're doing what you're doing and what you do and how you do it and then what you want from them. And it worked really well for them to get their, get their pitches. Yeah. It was cool. Absolutely. It is. I mean, with, you know, working with student business teams and young adults with these, all these ideas in their head, it's, it's, you know, it's so inspiring. I really enjoy. So I'll, I'll be headed later today over to RIT's campus. And I've been doing this for 10 years. I've been working with student business teams and it, exactly what you said, you know, and there's all sorts of those kind of things going on there as well. Idea labs and think tanks and pitch-ins and, you know, and then more structured things like you can be in, you know, an incubator at RIT's campus or an accelerator. You can, there's so much opportunity, different ways to foster the creativity, right? That people have. And, and that's what I love about it. You know, my, my purpose is to inspire creation. And uh, I'll tell you a funny story. So like when I first, when I started my first four or five businesses, um, it was all about rise and grind, right? Like I was a hockey player, my background and, you know, it was always, I can make, you know, I wasn't the most skilled player. I got through it with will. So, you know, when I started businesses, I was like, if it takes 10 hours a day, I'll do it. If it takes 16 hours a day, I'll do it. Right. But that doesn't necessarily get you where you want to go. If that time you're spending on it is not you know, in the right areas, or you don't know what you're doing, or you're not decisive, or you're stuck, and you don't have clarity, all that. When about three and a half years ago, well, no, it was more during the pandemic, during the pandemic time, when we all kind of started to think more deeply about ourselves, I started opening up to this whole idea of being in vibrational alignment, right, and being in flow and all that kind of stuff. And now my mantra is no longer rise and grind, it's rise and create, you know, mm -hmm. there are so many cool things you can create. And, and it's a it's a creator's world, right? Like with all the social media platforms and all that. And so if you look at it at that way, right? Like not that it's going to take, you know, 16, 16 hours a day to do that, but that it's going to take me working eight to 10 hours a day in flow, making cool decisions, trying new things and failing, trying new things and succeeding, you know, all of that. It's a just a better perspective, a better mindset. I think now that, uh, you know, that I use and that I coach founders, um, you know, to, to, to use that framework, not just push through. So now I'm curious, cause I know your first business is the hot dog cart. So after that, what other businesses did you start and, um, you know, did you sell them all? Did, did you close any of them? Like, you know, t tell me about how you got from hot dog cart to this. You know, again, I think I had this creative blood always inside of me, right? Like, so I never wanted to do one thing. So it was always trying different things, different businesses. And I like things that I didn't have a lot of experience at, right? Like, I mean, anybody can boil hot dogs. We actually boiled the hot dogs and hot dog cart. But so that one didn't totally fit in it. Um, that was just to pay my rent. But what I did is I went, uh, so, yeah, so I, I had a similar start that you did. I want, I knew that I wanted to be in a sales job just to get the experience of commission sales, what it's like, you know, to go door to door to canvas, to, to pitch somebody, to get to close somebody, all that. So I kind of used all that stuff as a springboard to opening a business, right? Because 
as a business owner, you're always selling, right? You're selling yourself, you're selling the business value proposition, the value you provide, all that. So I went from uh, I went from the hot dog cart to a market research company. So uh, here locally, there's a Rondequite Mall was the, the only two story mall in in town, and it was you know just wildly popular when it first opened. And uh, so I opened a mall intercept market research company. It was really more of a franchise kind of thing, but I owned that. And so that was my next business. And as I did that, I went and got my MBA. So I got more business skills skills, and uh, used that to kind of springboard into a couple of uh, B2B SaaS companies. Um, so two B2B SaaS companies are no code app builders. So I did those businesses. And then I worked for... Uh, worked in uh, corporate America at the local phone company. So I went through the wave of Rochester Tell and Global Crossing and all that here locally in Rochester and actually took a severance package to open a burrito business. So two food service businesses, uh, uh, market research company, a couple of B2B SaaS companies, and then finally my coaching business. But I always wanted to shift gears and move in different directions. So um, because I had the experience with hot dogs, um, I was really interested in making fresh ingredient burritos that you get a bite of everything, you know, in every, in every bite. So your first bite wasn't sour cream, second, you know, second bite protein, third bite lettuce. You know, we kind of mixed it together. And uh, this was pre Moe's and Chipotle. So there was kind of a need in the market. And, and uh, so I did that one and it it became just too much. It was pre food truck era. So mm -hmm. we were slinging tables and pop up tents and, and doing that whole thing. Uh, but uh, I ended up selling. So each of the businesses that I had, I sold, I always had kind of a idea in mind about my exit strategy when I started them. Like I knew I was not going to sling burritos for the rest of my life. I wanted to do it for three years, see how far I could take the brand, see how far I could take the recipes, you know, the reviews, all that. I ended up selling it to a group um, that eventually uh, bought the franchise rights to the Moe's in the area here. So, but they bought everything I had, including my recipes, and then decided to go with more of a turnkey solution. So um, that's how that one ended. And then the the software companies, I just again, I, I I'm a I'm a builder, so I like being involved in the company for the first few years, and then it's kind of like I get a little bored, and somebody else should manage this and take it, you know, start up the scale up. So I exited those two and, you know, with, with options and equity, and then a couple of those got acquired by other companies. So I got bought out of those uh, original companies. So um, it's been a pretty wild ride. Sounds so exciting. It's funny because yeah. I think sometimes because of the way that my website looks that I get a lot of random phone calls from kind of headhunter kind of things where they're like, Hey, have you thought about selling your company? I'm like, no. <laughs> But it cracks me up too, just like the that I get these phone calls of someone who's like, so have you ever thought about this? I'm like, no, I'm pretty much going to do this until I die. And then hopefully my kids want to take it over. I mean, you know, I guess when I'm a good amount older, I'm in my early 40s. So knock on wood, hopefully I got another good like 25 years at least um, making art and loving what I do <laughs> before I really want to shift gears yep. and, and try to do something else or or find someone to take it over. But it's just funny that to me anyway, that people think they could buy the company that I have and do what I do without me. And, and there's some companies that it's like, 
you know, you made this burrito business, you got these recipes and you're like, cool, you can take this over, buy it over. And I just have, I have no idea like how someone would ever do what I do without me. Yeah. And I, I think that, I think that's super cool because that's where I was not in those other businesses, right? They weren't my passion. I mean, I, I love burritos. I mean, they're my, probably my favorite food and I love hot sauces. So I love to create recipes and stuff, but I didn't, you know, I, I knew inside that this was not what I was going to do the rest of my life. I mean, what I do now feels like what I'm going to do the rest of my life, just because, you know, every single day I'm eager to start that day and to rise and create, right. And see what's going to happen next. And, and really I'm scaling for impact. So what's the impact can I have on other people to help them advance their businesses? Right. Cause that's going to outlive me. So um, again, 50 founders and companies in the last three ish years, and, you know, you know, some of them were short term, short term projects. And now I kind of sit back and I watch that company grow. And it's like kind of cool. Like I had I had a piece of that growth that, you know, mode that they're in now. And uh, to me, that is so inspiring and fits, you know, more with my purpose. You know, when you have that passion and it, it just feels like you were what you were born to do. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of, you know, life is about satisfaction. I'm a big Abraham Hicks fan. I don't know if you you ever uh, check out the work of Abraham Hicks, but they talk a lot about satisfaction, you know, and it's like, you know, when, at the end of the day, when you sit back and you go, wow, how was my day? You know, if you get this feeling, like you feel satisfied, you know, like it, it's a feeling that like comes from the inside out and you're just like, wow, that was a great day. I made a huge impact today. I did these three or four or five things and I feel awesome, you know, and and so I just go to bed with that thought in my head and then I wake up the next day and I'm eager to get started, you know, and, and a lot of about getting in, in the zone and getting in the flow is about putting systems in place. You know, I don't know if you've ever read the, the book by uh, James Clear, Atomic Habits, but it's about, you know, creating habits in your life and stacking those that mm -hmm. put you in the flow and put you on your way to a productive day, you know, however you define that. But uh, so I have this this system that I put in place in the morning, you know, that involves like yoga and meditation and walking and this stuff. And it just, you know, it just catapults me. So, um, That's awesome. but yeah, so now, now I feel like I'm in the job, the company that I was born to have finally. So it took five other companies to get here. And, you know, that's the thing, you know, it was, they all, they were all supposed to happen for me to get to the place that I'm at now. Obviously, if I'm a business coach, I've got to share experiences and insight. I've got to have done it before myself, not just, you know, taught it or learned it. So I, it's, it's interesting because I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and so many people that I talk to have similar stories. They're like, well, I, you know, I had this company and sold it. I had this company and it failed. I tried this thing. It didn't work. I, I definitely feel like the odd the odd woman out a lot of times. I'm like, well, I knew that I wanted to like make magical shit out of paper when I was like 19. And I've been doing that since I was 19. Yeah. But I didn't That's do awesome. it. I didn't do it as like a full-time gig until after I had my first kid. And the job where okay. I was working didn't want to let me work from home. Thank God it was before COVID because they totally would have. And then I would still be doing that. Right. You know, I would have been afraid mm -hmm. to quit my mm -hmm. jobby job. Right. But they kind of forced me to quit my jobby job because they weren't paying me enough to cover healthcare and daycare. <laughs> and yep. it just didn't make yep. sense to like go to work all week long, not be with my kid and, and spend every penny I had to pay someone to watch my kid while I was gone. I'm like, that's stupid. I could just stay home and be at the same place. My yeah. husband. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. He just says to me, you know, he's like, you know, we'll figure it out. Just stay home and do your book thing in, in quotes. Cause mostly I was making books at that point. 
we had a lot of different ideas about what what I was going to do after that. He totally thought I would be the stay-at-home mom that sometimes did craft shows on the weekend. And I was like, no way. I'm so excited. I finally have, <laughs> you know, I finally have no other day job taking up all of my time and my energy and my resources. I can actually grow this company I've been wanting to grow for 20 years almost at that point. And it, it's been a wild ride since my since I quit my job in 2016. Yeah. Yeah. I guess technically I don't don't really still do full it's my full-time gig but I I'm also the primary caregiver for three kids so you know it's it's like the amount of focused attention that I have on here's what I'm doing I'm at work I don't have any kids hanging on me or you know I don't have to stop what I'm doing to make sure they're not climbing the shelves or whatever so I don't yeah. have you know 60 hours a week that I can put into the grind right and yeah. Yeah. so I try to say you know like you were saying routine is kind of everything and mm -hmm. as someone who has ADHD, like you need a routine, but it's really hard to make one and it's really hard to stick to it. And so I, I definitely like can't wait for the day when my kids, all three of them are in school in the morning and they get up and they go to school. And I'm like, I actually could start my day at eight o'clock or 830 and like have two hours yeah. to do stuff before my staff comes in at 10 or whatever. But yeah, I, I got I recently got pet rabbits. And I know it seems like a weird, a weird thing to add <laughs> to the mix when you have little kids, but I found that because I have to take care of them every morning, I mean, rabbits for people who don't have pet rabbits anyway, they're a lot of work. Like they're a lot of work. You have, they okay. have to like change out their litter box and clean up their cage and give them fresh food and fresh veggies and change out their water. And like, you have to do that like every, every single day or they could get really sick. So um, having to do that now in the morning it's given me this like routine type of thing that I have to do when I get up that before I had these pet rabbits, I didn't have to do that. I would just yep. morning. I always got away from me before I had them. And so now it's like, okay, I get up, I'm getting the kids up. I go take care of the rabbits. I do my thing, blah, 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 and get the kids off to wherever they're going to go. And then I'm like, Oh, I kind of have a routine in the morning now. Um, yes. So yes. It's, it's weird. Yes, and you start to stack weird. stuff on top of it, right? Mm -hmm. Like you have this routine add another piece to it, another piece to it, another piece to it, you know, so that's a gets overwhelming, but so that you get so much momentum now, right? Like this stuff that is not work related is life related is creating some momentum for you in the morning and just like stack on top of it. But, you know, to the point I made earlier about work-life integration, I mean, you know, that's, that's what it is, is when you work from home, like there's no boundary now, there's no line between work, you know, work and play, work and life. It's just all kind of co-mingled. Like I, I haven't, I, my goal is to take a Zoom call while I'm riding my John Deere uh, tractor because I've seen like memes and stuff like that. Like, hey, I'm multitasking. Like I'm on a Zoom call and I'm getting the, you know, my lawnmower at the same time. I mean, You'd have to constantly <laughs> be on mute. No one will be able to hear anything of you on the tractor. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> It wouldn't be one where I, you know, had the lead role in, in speaking and stuff. But if I'm just a participant, you know, Peter in this. You got like, your headphones on, you know. <laughs> yep. The trees <laughs> flying by. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely, you know, I, I've definitely sat here and made flowers and made seed bombs while I'm on Zoom calls with people for. Um, oh, yeah. For like special things where you're mainly just hanging out and listening and things like that. Um, so before we run out of time. Oh, cool. Um, I do these five questions at the end of all the shows. So before we do that, is there anything else that you want to add anything you want to throw in the mix and, and let people know before we do the questions? I, I think it's just for people that are listening that have an idea 
you know, again, we kind of talked about it up to this point, but, you know, just get started with it, you know, just, you know, get some traction, get some momentum. Don't think that you have to know everything on day one, you will figure it out. You will make mistakes, but you'll learn from those mistakes. You know, uh, the Mark Twain quote, right. Comes to mind, right. The secret of getting ahead is getting started, you know, so that one I think applies. And so, you know, I, I, I talk to a lot of people and they're just stuck because they're afraid to make that first step. You know, um, we need more creators out there. We need more people that are launching businesses with purpose. So don't be afraid to fail. Just get started. Awesome. I agree. <laughs> okay. So now it's five question time. All right. Question number one, tell me about an experience or a single moment that shaped who you are today. A single moment. Um, that's a tough one. I think it, you know, it, it was probably when my mom passed away. Um, my mom died when I was pretty young. I was around 30 years old and uh, raised by a single mom. So she was such a huge part of my life, right? She was my rock. She saw all the accomplishments that I had ever done, you know, all the, all the victories and all the defeats, all of it. She carried my hockey bag when I was five years old. Having that rock in my life, you know, really... I guess, caused me to dig deeper into myself and to really have to rely on myself. I was an only child, single mom. So it was like my family, you know, one person passed away and my family was just me now. So it really pushed me to be independent and to to discover things on my own and to be creative and all that kind of stuff. So I'd have to say my mom passing away, a significant event in my life that changed me dramatically. Same, same here. I was only 20. And uh, it's, it is certainly okay. a shitty club to be in. <laughs> it yes, really is. Yes, shitty club. It is. I Right after my mom passed, I was still in college. I uh, I had this teacher for this class called Buddhism in America. And I, I was asking him, you know, because he, he had lost his parents. And I asked him and I was like, you know, what's, does, does this, this feeling, you know, this, this major suckitude right because that's you know 20 years old i was like does this ever go away and he's like nope it doesn't you just get used to the way that it sucks you know yeah, that yeah. that description of what grief is is just so spot on for me you know just it's always there yeah, kind of yeah. hanging in the background and you never know when it's going to show up and kick you in the ass like it really i agree 100 percent. i mean i think all the time about all these great things i'm doing that you know at least her, you know, she, she's not here on earth. She's probably up there and her, you know, her spirit and her energy and all that kind of stuff are feeling what I'm doing. But, you know, I can't see her through her eyes watching these things that I do. And I know she, how happy she would be. But yeah, that hurts a little bit always. Yes, for sure. Um, okay. Number two, when you feel defeated or overcome, what do you tell yourself to keep going? Take a nap. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, so I think a lot of it is mindset, right? Like when you feel defeated, right? Like that's kind of a mindset thing. So what I do is unplug. So this one, you know, one thing this work from home thing has done for me is I am an avid nap taker. And so I go hard, you know, creatively for four or five hours. And then, you know, I mean, studies show you, you, you got to rest your brain a little bit. You got to quiet all the stuff in your head. So I just kind of reset. You know, and, and I mentioned Abraham Hicks earlier. Um, if any of your listeners have ever checked out Abraham Hicks, great stuff. And it's about, you know, quieting your mind. So it's meditation and manifestation and all that kind of stuff and getting into your vibrational alignment. And so I just go back to that system that I have, you know, that gets me to quiet my mind. 
often involves a nap, like I said, and then restart afterwards. And then that thought's not the prevailing thought in my head anymore. That's a great idea. <laughs> when I was pregnant with my third baby, I took a lot of naps in the middle of the office. Like, I'm, like, yes. I can't, I'm not useful <laughs> right now. Couch is my friend. Uh, y'all can handle this, right? Yeah. <laughs> you don't need yeah. me. I'm useless. Um, <laughs> now that my, my, I only have limited childcare time. I'm like, I know that if I took an eight minute nap, I'd probably be real functional, but I'd also feel like hella guilty <laughs> that I spent however much time sleeping that I wasn't working. So now I don't. Maybe once they're all in school all day, you know, in like four more, four more years, <laughs> four more years and I'll get nap time again. Uh, <laughs> okay. Number three, tell me about a way that you overcame a failure or a mistake and what you learned from it. Um, so I used to, I used to be fearful of doing public speaking engagements. Right. And so, you know, again, I could come back to mindset, skill set. So I, I did a bunch of skill set kind of things. Like here's some things to, you know, to do to make yourself, uh, you know, less anxious. I was always like had hyper, not, I was hyper anxious, not really anxiety, but I was just nervous energy, I guess. Anyway, I, so I started to breathe, believe it or not. So I kind of like, like we all know how to breathe, right? And I think a lot of people take breathing for granted, right? Like they don't realize the power of breathing. So um, I started to do these breathing techniques because it, you know, it, the fear for me wasn't, you know, standing in front of all these people was just being so hyper, you know, because I'm enthusiastic by nature. I just would, I would just like, my words would come out faster than my brain could, you know, could think to the next thing to say. So I started breathing and, you know, and I do that often still, right? Like uh, I did it before, now it's become a routine, right? So I do it before almost every Zoom call or every meeting and I just take some deep breaths and I just quiet my brain because again, a lot of it all, you know, this is all mindset stuff. You know, the hamster wheel is going a thousand miles an hour and you got to freaking slow everything down a little bit. Right. And then you see what it really is and you see that, hey, I've done this before. You know, there's no reason why I should have anxiety or be anxious about speaking in front of a lot of people. Um, I got the opportunity back when I worked for uh, Frontier to speak in front of like the entire employee base. And I think it was like one of those crazy events we had brought like 8000 people into Rochester. And we actually had Michael Buffer. You know, the ring announcer guy that became famous with like, let's get ready to rumble. So we yeah. had this guy here introducing our, us. So I, I, I was like, uh, you know, like a product development, man, product management leader at that time. And it was like, next up from product, from the product management team, Kevin Doolin. That was the most nervous I've ever been. I'm like, holy crap, this guy, Michael Buffer is introducing me. So I was taking several deep breaths before I went out there. And then, you know, I, I did good, you know, it worked. So anyway, breathing, breathing, question number three. It's funny because I I started performing <laughs> for people doing poetry and stuff when I was about like 12 years old. My mom made me go do it. Uh, wow. And I used to be like hella nervous because I was super dorky. I didn't have a lot of friends, tried to be like other people a lot to fit in because I was a weirdo. And when you're in middle school, being a weirdo is not the thing to be once you're an adult, like people, you know, if you're just like everybody else, then people don't give a shit about you. But if you're like fun and interesting, then it, it works well for you. <laughs> um, so it took me a while to like fall back into my weirdoness and be cool with it. But one of the things that my mom told me about being being nervous or having stage fright in general, and she used to always say the only difference between nervousness and excitement is fear. And so every time yeah, I get up on a right. stage, 
uh, before I get up there, I just, you know, if I have that kind of amped up, you know, nervous, quote unquote, nervous energy, that adrenaline rush that's going, um, I just, just switch my mindset. The same thing you said. It's like, I think about, I'm like, I'm not nervous. I'm excited as hell to be up here. Like, hell yeah. I'm about to wow the crap out of these people. You know, like they don't even know what's coming. It's going to be great. Um, so uh, I totally get that. Like just kind of changing, changing the way you're thinking about it and getting your, getting your head in the game before you do something is, is totally key. Yeah. I remember one of the like suggestions that was out there, right? Like how to calm your your nerves and all that was to th- was see everybody as if they were naked. And like, that was worse. That like backfired on me. Like I went out there and said in my head, you guys are all naked. And I was like, what? You know, and it like, <laughs> did not work for me. So, you know, trial and error, like what works for you might not work for the next person, but you got to figure it out. And, you know, part of the fun is figuring it out. So, <laughs> yeah. I think imagining the audience naked is a good way to get super distracted from what you're trying to say anyway. Cause then, you know, you're yeah. like, you know, if there's somebody out there and you're like, you think they're cute and then you're picturing them naked and then you're like, Oh shit, I'm not supposed to be saying that at all. Yeah. Oops. You know, I don't Sorry, know. I'm staring at you. I don't know. I don't know if it was a thing to like trick to like trick your brain into you being in front of people being your, your least vulnerable thing um, or not. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure either. Like they're more vulnerable because they're naked and you're not like, mm-hmm. and so therefore you, I, I don't know what, I don't know what that was, but it did not work for me. <laughs> yeah. Me either. <laughs> Number four, what one trait or habit is most responsible for keeping you on track? I think you talked about this a little bit already, but yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple though. I would say attitude. So like, you know, I mean, my attitude is always, you know, positive. Right. And I, I, you know, I believe that we're all energy, right? And you can harness that energy and direct it to, to different places and stuff like that. So, you know, like, you know, if we're going to pick like the bracelet with, with one word on it, it'd probably be attitude for me. For sure. I love that. I also believe that, that everything is just all made of energy and it's never created or destroyed. It just changes from one form to another. And there's definitely times where yes. I feel like the energy of the world that is things that like used to make my mom live and used to make my brother live and that their energy shows up in concentrated ways for me when I needed to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's not always yeah, something that's only... good either. You know, sometimes it shows up Ab- to like, absolutely to like check my shit and put me back in my place. If I'm, you know, not going on the path. I'm right, supposed like, to. Yeah, it, and that's how they're helping us. Right. Like, so their energy up there somewhere and they're helping to guide us. Through some, you know, the, the the cool thing is, is if you believe in energy and you know when you're in the zone, right? Like as Abraham Hicks again says, vortex, right? Like when you're in that zone, you know it. So now the next thing is to identify when things that will give you a sign when you're not in that zone. And sometimes like when you're not in that zone, something happens like that reminds me of my mom. And it's like her energy pushing me, getting me to realize I'm out of the zone. I'm out of the energy you know, space that I should be in. And then I can get back in there, you know, if you have the tools to get back in. Yeah. Love that. For sure. Yeah. I like to call it like, if I don't necessarily belong to any religion, but I believe in weird shit and that there's like weird shit out there that happens and it's not really, you can't really explain it. There's no good like scientific reason for why it's happening, but it happens. And, you know, the kind of thing where like, it happens right now. It's like, you know, you get weird, random goosebumps, you know, like you can feel that like something is, something is out there and it's, it's making stuff happen. And yep. um, the more you can yep. kind of tune into that and recognize it and notice it, the more you notice it, the more you notice it. And oh, it's cool. I love it. 
Yeah, yeah, love that. I'm with you. Yep, 100%. Okay, number five. We have two minutes. The, what is the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? And what advice would you give to other people? Um, the best piece of advice I got, I would think is kind of the kind of part of the framework that I've been, you know, telling today. And that is taking that first step is the most important step. So, you know, I, I'm big into momentum, you know, the whole law of attraction and snowball effect and all that kind of stuff. So I think the biggest advice was, you know, to to take some action and then figure it out from there. So I do a lot of that when I coach founders. It's just like, geez, you've got this great idea in your head. You've got it on paper to some degree. It makes sense to me. It sounds reasonable. You're solving a problem. I think people will want this. They'll value it. They'll see it. But you've got to take action, you know, to get to this. Like, you know, if it's what you really want, take action. So I think the the, the biggest one is is get started, you know, like take action. Awesome. Whenever I do these five questions, I love having different people answer the same questions because some people it's it's just really interesting how people will hear the same question and interpret it in a different way like especially the one that the one trader habit i mean some people are like i drink tea every morning and some people are like i have this attitude and sometimes it's like a you know a tangible thing that they do and sometimes it's you know an emotional thing or an you know an energy thing or an um just like a yep. conscious decision that they make. Um, and I think it's just really interesting to have these different perspectives. Um, I've had a lot of people ask me why my show is an hour long, because there's a lot of podcasts that are like 10, 15, 20 minutes. And they're like, people have this short attention span. And I'm like, well, I don't really care about people's attention span because, you know, yes, I do this show because I want to share people's stories with other people, but I do this show because I think it's really important to have deep, interesting, purposeful conversations with people. And that's something that I need for my own self-care in the world. So if there's mm -hmm. people who listen to like 10 minutes of it and there's people who listen to the whole thing, but I think it's really important to like have the intro conversation, especially if it's someone you didn't really know before and like hear a lot about their story. And then when you do these five questions, people kind of open up more about who they are on the inside. Because there's some people who come gotcha. and they'll be on the show and right off the bat, they're like, here's my deepest, darkest secrets that just showed up. And then there's other people who are like pretty guarded and have this kind of script of what they talk about. And then when we get into these questions, they're like, you know, maybe I'm going to talk about this thing that I don't always talk about. And I think it's it's interesting that you have to kind of, I don't know, have that banter and have those conversations before you get to that point. For, for some people to like open up on the show. And I, that's partly why I want to have it be an hour long. Anyway, so. Um, cool, cool, love that. Yes. Yep. So can you tell everyone where they can find you on the internet? Yes, yes. So I have a website, it's uh, kedu.io. So it's uh, my name, Kevin Dooley shortened. It's K-E-D-O-O.io. So that's the best place to find me. Okay, awesome. Um, so we will have that in the show <laughs> notes. And um, for couple of books and speakers and whatnot that you were mentioning we will find those and those will be in the show notes as well thank you so much for being awesome. on the show and we will see you on the next episode of reach the stars podcast i have been your host john willoughby lore and i hope y'all do something cool and then come tell me about it all right bye a single interaction has the power to change your life forever this is a place for the stories of those moments. Stories of pursuing dreams, overcoming tragedy and failure, of coming back to life, 
after so much of what feels like dying, of continuing on with only a vision as a map. This is the place where those moments live on. Come sit by the fire, look up at the stars, and be forever changed too. Thank you for being with us on the Reach the Stars podcast. Our theme music is generously provided by Byrocratic. You can find him on Bandcamp.com. Thank you to all of our current patrons, guests, and everyone else who helps make this dream a reality. We are so proud to be building this amazing community with all of you. If you love this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend, leaving a review on iTunes, and becoming a patron at www.patreon.com slash reach the stars. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel to see the videos of these conversations. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, do something cool and tell us about it.